For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Hey everybody, welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Uh, we've got an exciting episode today and uh, we've got a, a very special guest and uh, someone that's dear to the hearts of Christian and I. And uh, we are super, we are super excited about this podcast. So listen, if this is your first time watching, uh, I'm Jonathan Jenkins, one of the hosts of the podcast. And um, I have a uh, bachelor's degree in Christian studies from Burton Parker College. Uh, and uh, our professor is Dr. Ray. We'll talk about him here in just a second. Um, and uh, he was one of my professors there. And, uh, <clears throat> and so uh, I'm also uh, been pastoring about six, seven years now and, and I've uh, been doing the podcast about two years and and uh, just learned a lot over the years, and it's still learning. And and uh, it's like Nate Prostovic. One time he said in class when he was trying to write a paper, he said, uh, "The more I study, the less I know." So, <laughs> uh, and I think that's true. So, uh, Christian, if you go ahead and introduce yourself, and uh, uh, and then we can uh, introduce Dr. Ray together, it'd be good. Yeah. So I'm Christian Walton. I have a bachelor's of Christian studies degree from Bruin Parker College, just like Jonathan, and many classes together. And we fought the hard through Dr. Ray's papers many of times, but um, I've been a full-time youth pastor for a little over a year now, so it's been a learning experience to say the least, but it has been a joy and coming on, yeah, coming on the podcast for about eight months now, so it's been good and, coming along. And uh, trying to bounce back from the uh, the youth lock-in he had two nights before. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> well, all right. Well, you the want to go ahead. And, uh, <laughs> all right, you want to go ahead and uh, introduce Dr. Ray a little bit. Yeah. So, Dr. Ray, one of our dear professors, he's the associate professor of Christian studies at Burton Parker College. Is that still correct, Dr. Ray? Well, I've gotten a promotion. Actually, I'm now full Woo! professor. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's much extra pay, but at least I get the <laughs> happy that you got promoted and you've got a bachelor's degree from Mobile College and then uh, MDiv from S Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and a PhD in New Testament from the University of Virginia. Many years ago. And the bachelor's was in English, right? Well, it was in religion and English, so I had a double major okay. back when you could do that in four years. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing's been there. That's great. So, uh, like like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, Dr. Ray, he was he was Monte Christian's professor for years. He he put up with us. He was patient with us. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that fruit of the spirit, I think, really came out of my life <laughs> uh, with you guys in my classes. The great yeah, class, especially. We always uh, we always had a good time, Dr. Ray's classes, whether that was actually in class or uh, down at Chick Fil A, one of the two. Uh, we always had a good time. <laughs> is there any? Is there still any Chick Fil A classes still happening today, or no? Is that is that over? Well, tomorrow actually we're having one. Oh, uh, our yeah. good buddy Nate, Nate Prostovic, and I are having oh. lunch tomorrow at uh, Chick Fil A and Vidalia. Very so come nice. join us awesome. around twelve o'clock. <laughs> there we go. It's still ongoing. That's cool. <laughs> So, all right. So, uh, and, and listen, one of the, I always, somebody always asked me or somebody asked me before I left Georgia and moved to Florida, they were like, what is, what is something, or right before I graduated, so what's something you always remember about Burton Parker? And, 
you know, it took me a couple seconds to think about it. And I said, you know, uh, you know, Dr. Ray and, and, and Dr. Puckett, who hopefully he'll be on the podcast in the future too. But, uh, you know, those are two of the smartest men I have ever met in my entire life. And they are two of the most humble men I've ever met in my entire yeah. life. And well, uh, I think I, I think tricked that... you on both counts. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that for Dr. Puckett. That's yeah. Cool. I think it's the Greek. It's, it's what puts you over the edge. It's the knowing the Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so. But uh, it's a joy to be with you, you guys. Uh, you're two of my uh, finest heretics, I think, <laughs> through the years. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> not really, but uh, I do remember spilling a lot of red ink on your papers <laughs> through the years. Yeah. But no, seriously, uh, two of the finest. Um you know, I've always appreciated the fact that both you guys really are um, sincere in your faith and and just want to follow God's call, and you love his word, and that's uh, that's really near and dear to my heart. So anyway, it's great to be with you guys today. Yes, sir. So I, I'll go ahead and um, kind of introduce us to the topic today. It's, and, uh, and Dr. Ray, I didn't explain this to you before and to ever, if, if this is something that's first time listening. Um, so the whole reason I created this podcast was because... Uh, I was just sick of people like uh, talking about uh, all these very difficult topics, these deep topics, and they're just screaming at each other. They're insulting each other. I said, enough of that. Let's just sit down, have conversations, study the word of God, you know, or talk about science or philosophy or whatever. And, uh, you know, let's just have a conversation rather than mm -hmm. you know, smack each other in the head with Bibles or, <laughs> yeah. or, or Stephen Hawking's book or, or, or Richard Dawkins' book or something. <laughs> yeah so, sounds great so anyway so what we're talking about today um I, I, we're talking about really a couple different things um and uh, the main focus um the main focus is is well the general focus is spiritual gifts so we're talking about um what all the spiritual gifts are what is a spiritual gift and stuff like that we're also going to talk about uh, this debate that's been going on um from my knowledge, for many, many years, <laughs> uh, probably, uh, probably not. I, maybe Dr. Ray could help us out on this later, but probably not, not too long after the the first century church, um, or even the even there was a debate even in the first century church about some of the spiritual gifts and and uh, people thinking they're better than other people and all that stuff. Um, but uh, so we're talking about the spiritual gifts. So uh, and we've asked Dr. Ray to come on and uh, just super excited. You know, he's got a, He's got a PhD in, in New Testament. And in uh, a lot of this, this pretty much this whole debate, you know, it comes down to uh, Christian doctrine that uh, we get from the New Testament. And, and some of the ideas, they kind of they kind of flow from the Old Testament into the New Testament, of course. But, um, you know, this this topic is really focused a lot on New Testament passages and First Corinthians 12 through 14 and, and uh, some some of the rise in the Gospels and that sort of thing. So uh, so let's just start off. Uh, Dr. Ray, if you could uh, maybe help us understand just generally what a what a spiritual uh, gift is okay yeah well my understanding is that a spiritual gift is a, is a special endowment that God gives to all of his children uh, those who have been regenerated and know the Lord um, and the reason for that is so that they could can edify the church uh, these gifts are for the good of the church uh, they differ uh, from I guess what we'd call natural talents, even though sometimes they can coincide with our talents, and that they've been specially given by God for the express purpose 
of building up his people. And so we have those gifts. We use those gifts in order to carry out the mission, the purpose that God has for his church. Uh, the, the word spiritual gifts is really a combination, as I understand it anyway, a combination of what scripture refers to on the one hand as uh, gifts and the word charismata from the word charis, grace. Sometimes these are called grace gifts. Sometimes they're just designated gifts in the New Testament, specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, uh, they're called gifts or charismata. We put the word spiritual on there because that's really what they are. They're from the spirit. The other word that's used for spiritual gifts in the New Testament is the word pneumaticos or pneumatica, uh, spiritual. And the word gifts is supplied in those verses where that word is used. Uh, the text, I believe, are Romans 12.1 and uh, Romans 14.1, where they're called spiritual things, or we call spiritual gifts. Uh, you guys be interested that both of those words are third declension words in the Greek New Testament. Ooh. <laughs> uh, maybe that brings, back, brings up a bad memory. I don't know. But uh, pneumatica, spiritual, is a third declension adjective, and uh, charismata, a third declension noun. But these are spiritual gifts, and so that's usually the way we put it, spiritual gifts, because they are from the Spirit, God's Spirit gives them to us as believers so that we can be used by the Lord uh, in his church. Okay. Uh, and really, um, uh, I was just looking here at, uh, at Romans 12, but I mean, you said that one word, I mean, the, both words are actually used in Romans 12, right? Isn't that what you just said? That's right. Uh, 12, one, um, appeal, to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual. And so there we have the word there, spiritual. 12.6 talks about the gifts. We have gifts, these charismata, that differ according <laughs> to grace given to us. And then in 1 Corinthians... Let me see here. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual, and there the word gifts is supplied. Now concerning spiritual gifts, the word there is, is uh, pneumatica. And then down in 1231 of 1 Corinthians, the strive for the greater gifts, uh, charismata. And you could put the word spiritual there if you wanted to, the greater spiritual gifts. Oh, yeah. Um, Paul uses both words, both Greek words, to refer to um, this phenomenon that we call spiritual gifts. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I wanted to read that. Uh, just a couple of verses that uh, I think I think kind of summarize a little bit what the what the true purposes are. And, and Dr. Ray hinted at this, too. Um, you know, looking at First Corinthians 12, 12, for just as the body is one and, and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, 
but many. And then in verse 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So uh, it's just, it's amazing, you know, if, if you always think about like a business, you know, and how, you know, you're looking for a good manager to kind of make sure you put people in the right spots and make sure they're doing this and that. And, and, uh, and just getting into, I mean, we can get into the sovereignty of God and all this and how God mm -hmm. builds people up and, and he strengthens people in specific spiritual gifts. Uh, it's very interesting. And uh, a lot of people, I think when they think about spiritual gifts, a lot of people are, um, you know, they think, okay, well, that, that spiritual gifts test I took, you know, when I was in, you know, I was at church, I took a spiritual gifts test, um, you know, to kind of, and, and uh, <clears throat> what, what are your thoughts on those spiritual gifts tests, Dr. Ray? You think, you know, there, is there some accuracy to them or <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, in my, uh, in my formation for ministry class, uh, I've sometimes distributed those um, tests or at least referred to them. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think they're, they're good. I've, I've taken, I think two in my life and they've sort of zeroed in on uh, the spiritual gifts that I have. As far as I know, the gifts that I have are teaching <laughs> knowledge in the sense of being able to uh, organize knowledge and uh, convey it in hopefully an organized way. And uh, believe it or not, mercy. I didn't have much mercy with you guys, I don't think. In <laughs> mercy on the song. Oh, you Tests have shown up as being one of those where I empathize with people and their needs. So I don't know. Um, I think they can they can be used in a way that's helpful. Okay. But you need prayer and you need guidance from the scripture and and so right. on. And other people, all those I think factor into understanding what your gifts particularly are. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about real quick, uh, Christian. If you want to take it from here and just kind of talk about. Uh, what are the spiritual <clears throat> gifts? Um, I've got, or, you know, you could read uh, some of Romans 12 there. Uh, talks about uh, what the gifts are. But um, you want to talk about the gifts real quick, and then we can. I, I've got a few more things I'd like to discuss, too, about that. But Yeah, so a lot of the gifts are seen within many passages, like um, referencing them. You have 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts. You have um, Romans 12, 3 through 8, that talks about the gifts. For we had just seen part of it talking about one body and one gifts. And if you go looking at verse six, right after it says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to ex exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his servings, or he teaches in his teachings, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness so we see the gift of service we see the gift of encouragement we see the gift of leadership the gift of mercy and the gift of prophecy we see here and then if you go into romans 12 or first corinthians 12 we were just in romans 12 as i turn there you can see some of the other gifts that we see and lucky and we see how you can have multiple of the spiritual gifts and if you take those surveys they you usually have a rank your top three are the ones you usually look at and i know for me sometimes the te those tests were hard to discern it's like what would i actually do and then you're trying to ask other people and people can't take those tests for you and so looking at first corinthians 12 
trying to see what exact verse we want to go to. Uh, starting in verse 8, it says, For one to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. And so we see the uh, key of wisdom and following up with wisdom, you have discernment. And with discernment, we're being at, some people just have the act of being able to tell in situations what is good if a person is genuinely sincere in what they are saying. And then we have here mentioned the gift of knowledge, as Dr. Red just mentioned that he had. And then we see the gift of faith and we reference back to hunter in our podcast over faith and we see his gift of faith where he can look at a situation and know god is going to push through and is able to share that with others I just and then, i just hunter's uh <laughs> hunter's actually coming to my church this friday and okay. i mentioned it on that podcast i always i always said that his his gift of faith was always so frustrating to me because i i it is not my gift not my spiritual gift and so He's always got faith, and I'm like, dude, I don't know if these, I don't know if this many people are going to show up. He's like, well, you know, Jonathan, you just got to have faith, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. All types to make the church go around, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, and that's the information we need to hear at the time, but we don't want to hear it. Happening. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and then we have the gifts of healing. And then the effects of miracles and prophecy and distinguishing of spirits. So looking at exorcisms, which is another interesting one. I don't know if we'll get too far into that today. but And then you have the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And that kind of rounds out your spiritual gifts with the uh, spiritual gift of giving and also of mercy. I've, I've got a couple of things. Um to kind of discuss on that some of the struggles I've had with, with the spiritual gifts, you know, so let's take, uh, let's take an easy one. Let's say, uh, well, let's take the gift of faith, you know, um, you know, the Bible tells all Christians, and it's not just faith. It's all, I mean, it's pretty much all the gifts, you know, it says do this, you know, or, uh, even teaching. I mean, some people are gifted teachers, but, uh, you know, we're all called to teach, you know, we're all called to, you know, pour into the, the younger people, um, so, uh, what, where's the, and, uh, I'd like for you to kind of chime in on this, Dr. Ray, and, and, I mean, how do we distinguish between, okay, this is your spiritual gift, but at the same time, this is also something you need to do just being a Christian. You know, you need to have faith. You need to, uh, you need to evangelize, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so what's, I mean, how can we kind of distinguish between those two things? Yeah, you're right. I think, uh. You know, there's some things that every Christian is called to do uh, in the way of evangelism, for, for instance. We're all to evangelize others uh, with our lifestyle and with our words best we can. But uh, some are anointed with a gift of evangelism. And it just seems like that they are anointed by the Lord in that way to lead people and uh, not just a few people, but many people to faith in Christ. Uh, same thing with the spiritual gift of giving. 
I mean, we're all, we all have to give. We know that to, to the church and to other people. But there are some folks out there that just have this generosity about them. And it seems that they're anointed to just be so generous. I remember I had a friend uh, several years ago that I corresponded with. And this friend sent me gift after gift after gift in the mail. And I couldn't possibly afford to send return gifts. But they, they had, and so I, I finally just realized that they had that spiritual gift of giving. And they were going to do it, even though I protested and told them to stop doing it. <laughs> they continued to do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're right, Jonathan. Every, every Christian's called to, to have evangelism or giving or something like that. But some are specially anointed uh, by the Spirit. Excuse me. So we lost him. We'll pause it. Okay, so so we just got done talking. We're we're talking about uh, you know the difference between uh, you know uh, being uh, like Dr. Ray says anointed kind of with these gifts, and then uh, all of us as Christians just being called to do these these various things. Um, uh, so it, it, this is this is always a hard one for me, very hard, um, you know, because. Uh, and sometimes, and Christian, Christian wanted to ask a question about this too, but, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's like, well, I know I'm not gifted in that, but I know I need to work on that. You know, I need to strengthen that. Um, so, uh, Christian, you, you want to go ahead and ask your question? And we'll, maybe we can discuss that a little bit. Yeah, it almost, like, talking about it and uh, working through it, it almost seems like it's like the fruit of the Spirit where we have, each have maybe this gift, but some are just more prone to certain gifts like do we have all the gifts some of them are people are just better at some gifts than the other kind of like the fruit of the spirit or how does that work that's not my understanding are you saying that each of us has all the gifts in a certain way yes a is that a possibility way. i've never understood it that way all right um, <laughs> <laughs> But I've, I've never really thought about it either um, too much. I hadn't either, so it was worth a shot. <laughs> and so it's like, I mean, we all have the spirit, you know, so the, uh, and uh, I've heard, um, and we're about to get to the cessationism debate here in just a second, but I've heard cessationists say, you know, it's not like God can't use a person because each person has the Holy Spirit. So it's not like God can't use that person to heal, like bring healing in somebody's life or uh, to to or whatever they'll say some some of the cessationists uh, say stuff like that but um, you know that my and, and my thing is is like and, and of course uh, being a pastor you know it's like you know you you you're almost uh, you kind of you're kind of forced to have all of these gifts you know and it's like honestly uh, some of them you know it's like if you didn't have this gift you really couldn't be a pastor and yeah. uh, you always have multiple gifts so um, so is it possible for people to have multiple gifts? Is it, is it even, is it possible for everybody to, you know, you, you know, if you took a spiritual gifts test, you know, I've taken some before, well, this is going to sound really boastful, but so maybe humility is not one, uh, but you know, I've <laughs> taken some before and like all the, all the points are, I mean, I score high on just about everything except for like hospitality is not one of mine. I don't like people coming in my bubble, but <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so, I mean, is that a possible thing or, uh, you know, or what if there's a, you know, what if there's a gift like, what if like hospitality, you know, I see I score low on it and then I say, okay, I need to work on that. And it kind of gets higher and higher. I mean, is it, is it possible to grow those gifts, even if we're not 
necessarily uh you know chosen by god to use the gifts in the churches yeah well i'd make the the distinction myself that spiritual gifts they're in a different category than just just natural hospitality or natural giving or something like that i mean these are are specially anointed by the spirit god has endowed these into us either at gener at regeneration or when we're born maybe they were dormant then and come to life when we're regenerated. I don't know how that works. But, I mean, these are supernatural. Uh, God is in these. And uh, some of these gifts go together, as as you know, like pastors and teachers. Uh, I, I would argue that tongues and interpretation of tongues uh, likely, in, in many cases anyway, go, are to go together. And so some of these are uh, teamed together, put together, I think, so that every person has at least one. Some have many. And uh, I believe I have at least three that God has anointed. But there might be others that are lying there that I, I need to, to pray about. I, I don't know. But, you know, I do think that uh, we, we, I know we have, according to Scripture, at least one and probably have several. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that I think that's an important distinction to say. Okay, listen, these aren't because I mean there's hospitable people who aren't Christians, you know. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, I've seen people. Yeah, I've seen Christian people that that are anointed with hospitality that they will they will let some strange man, you know, with mm -hmm. some beat up shirt and probably mm -hmm. on drugs, just let them move into their house with their kids in there. You know, it's just because that's yeah. their gift. I mean, it's I mean it's almost like a crazy gift. Yeah. Yeah, they can't help themselves. Yeah. I mean, they're just so hospitable. Uh, and so there, they, they also need the gift of wisdom, though, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. With that gift of hospitality. Mean, yeah. And I've heard, I mean, I've seen people with hospitality gift that, you know, they're picking up strangers, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, they're they're riding in a car, you know, they're married, they're riding in a car with somebody of the opposite sex just so they can help them out with stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's where that's why I, I actually just finished uh, teaching the youth um, about spiritual gifts and how it's like, okay, listen, you need to figure out what your spiritual gifts are because we need you to step up and say, this is what you need to do. Because if we all start doing these spiritual gifts, mm -hmm. then we're going to have a very spiritually strong youth group. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think that's important in churches too, is, is church members, you need to know what your spiritual gifts are. And then you need to go tell your pastor, say, hey, listen, I took this spiritual gifts test. And, and listen, I am my, one of my gifts is serving. I'm, I scored super high on serving. So tell me, you know, wherever you need me to serve, you know, food or whatever, uh, <clears throat> just let me know. Mm -hmm. I've been surprised, so, you know, through the years that more churches don't emphasize finding your spiritual gifts. So the church can do its mission like it's supposed to do with all the members, or at least many of them, uh, serving in the roles that they should be serving in. Probably in Baptist life, we've sort of shied away from that because of uh, the abuse of some of the gifts. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's something that uh, we need to work on. Yeah. And so uh, one more question. I mean, I don't know if Christian had anything else, but um, I definitely had one more before we moved on. You talked about... Uh, how some of the gifts may have been, uh, you know, may have been there, you know, when you were born, you may have been born kind of with this gift, you know, uh, I was not, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's like uh, a lot of like, uh, I don't know, like leadership, you know, I've mm -hmm. every, in my entire, almost my entire life, I've kind of been 
uh, no matter where I was, I ended up being some kind of leader wherever wherever I was. My friend group, you know, my youth group, you know, wherever it was, I was always a leader. So it was always kind of there. So you think God, uh, or it sounds like, and you just correct me if I'm wrong here. It sounds like you would probably say that uh, sometimes the gifts are there, and then sometimes uh, God kind of gives them to people after they're saved, after they have the Spirit. You know, or or you know, when they start uh, seeking God, you know, he'll start revealing some of those gifts. Um, so, um, mm-hmm. it, uh, so do you think? Do you think that's the case? And if so, you know, do you think? Uh, uh, so is is the spirit just, uh, you know, when they start seeking after God and they're trying to use their gifts, is the spirit really empowering them in a different way, separate from their personality, or is he kind of working with that? I mean, what do you what do you think there? Well, I know in some cases, like Jeremiah's, uh, he, he was called before he was born uh, yeah. to preach, to, to be a prophet. And so that gift uh, obviously was there in his life. In other cases, though, uh, I mean, um, uh, I know of individuals who couldn't get up in front of a group and, and talk without their knees buckling and stammering and all that. And then once they were called to preach, it seems like supernaturally they were given that ability to stand up and share and do just a, a jam up job uh, in public. And uh, sort of like God took the the fear away. And so I've yeah. seen it in both cases. And I personally am not sure. I think probably it's a little both. Sometimes it's innate when you're born. Other times God specially endows you for his purposes. Once he uh, calls you to be his own. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, yeah <laughs> yeah i guess we right now we know in part one day we'll fully know yeah, yeah. just it, exactly. it just be it's just amazing to think that you know because like part of part of like and i know we've all probably felt it i mean part of our spiritual gifts it just feels it just feels natural to us but we know the yeah. holy spirit i mean i mean i can always feel it, like the holy spirit's anointing you know when when i'm when i'm speaking you know to youth or mm-hmm. whatever when i'm I prayed and I'm thinking, God, I'm seeking you in all this. I'm seeking you as I preach, you know, work in this yep. youth group, you know, and and uh, just seeing him use that gift. I mean, it's absolutely amazing to see how he works it, with people. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know you're sharing that with your youth group. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that, and that really has bothered me, too, that, that churches are just shying away from it. Shying away from it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's important. so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you know, Dr. Ray, I'm not in your class, so I'm not just trying to suck up anymore. <laughs> That's impressive, John. I, tell you, I think you sucked up enough in class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, Christian, did you have any other questions before we kind of move into the uh, the miraculous gifts debate and stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, you already talked about Jeremiah. I can think of Moses when he when God had called him to be the spokesperson for Israel. And he, like me, I feel like half the time mm-hmm. is not comfortable speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you see him tag in Aaron as his uh, next two spokesperson. But if you really look throughout the book of Exodus, you really don't see Aaron kind of talking or heading up anything. It was Moses. He just needed a little push behind him. So yeah. how, how do you think it differs with Old Testament versus New Testament? Or do you think? it goes along the same way with spiritual gifts. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, as I understand scripture, the spirit came and went sort of with God's people, uh, anointing them for certain tasks. 
but it's only from Pentecost on that the spirit indwells each believer. And so I think in that way, it's, it's got to have changed so that now every believer has at least one spiritual gift and likely several that God can use uh, in the body of Christ. And so the dynamic has certainly changed with regard to the, the different covenants and how the Holy Spirit operates under each covenant. Yeah, so there have got to be many more spiritual gifts. I mean, we don't have spiritual gifts talked about in the Old Testament. That, that was another question Just you just reminded me of. So, yeah. I mean, we've got these lists in the Bible, right? I mean, are these are these exhaustive or, you know, do you, do you think there's more? You know, I mean, obviously, yeah. like there's no youth pastor gift in there or children's ministry gift. So, uh, you know, yeah. is, are there additional gifts? Or I think so. I mean, that's my personal opinion. Peter Wagner wrote a book. Um on spiritual gifts, maybe you're familiar with, and uh, he listed, uh, I think it was 27, that scripture explicitly talks about 27 different gifts, and he goes through all of those, but he's careful to say that likely this is not exhausted, that there are others, and one, I think one example would be uh, the gift of, of singing or, or music. It's not necessarily listed as a spiritual gift, but it's obvious some who not only have the natural talent, but also have sort of the Spirit's anointing to be able to use that talent, that gift uh, for the Lord and for his church. And so certainly that's one example, but I'm sure there are others. I think about Nehemiah and, uh, you know, being able to build the wall. Yeah. And I wonder if he had the spiritual gift, in some way at least, uh, of being a... Uh, sort of a master craftsman. I mean, some people could just build things. Yeah. And that does seem to be uh, a talent, yes, but also something God's Spirit could yeah. use for his people. Or Noah. I mean, it, Noah, it looks like Noah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Noah. So anyway, I, I do think there are other gifts listed, uh, other gifts besides those listed in Scripture. Myself. All right. Um, uh, yeah, we better go ahead and move on. I, I uh, so let's let's get into this um, <clears throat> let's get into this debate here. So, uh, Doctor Ray, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's a big debate about spiritual gifts. <laughs> yeah, all my lifetime has been one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you would kind of explain to us, you know, what's a what is a cessationist, what is a continuationist, um, and uh, <clears throat> and just kind of explain the differences to us, and then uh, and then we can uh, kind of discuss it a little further. Okay. Well, um, as, as I understand it, uh, those who are cessationists uh, believe that some of the spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament, and Christians already gone over those passages, mainly it's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, uh, also 1 Peter um, chapter 4, I believe it is. Uh, but cessationists believe that some of those gifts ceased with the apostolic age. Uh, they call these, uh, I believe they usually call them science gifts. Uh, mainly it's prophecy, uh, healing or miracles, or at least healing and tongues would be the more uh, uh, spectacular or, or sign gifts that they ceased. And that uh, the other gifts uh, uh, continue on in the church as spiritual gifts. And so cessationists believe some of the gifts no longer are operable. 
in our world. Uh, those who were usually called continuationists believe that all the gifts listed in scripture, as well as others that, not, that are not listed, uh, have been there ever since the apostolic age and continue on in the church today. Okay, so um, <clears throat> so when it comes, you kind of hinted at it earlier, but um, so when it comes to this debate, which which side do you find yourself on? Yeah, uh, I'm a continuationist, and uh, there are two or three reasons for that. Uh, one is that I don't find cessationism uh, taught explicitly in Scripture. I don't find texts that indicate, at least to, to my satisfaction, that any of the gifts ceased with the uh, apostolic age. Um and the scriptures that are usually pointed to by cessationists to me are not convincing. The second reason is that uh, I, I do find, maybe not in my segment of the world, but I do find credible uh, testimonies from other Christians who, who say that they have experienced these gifts, prophecy, healing, tongue speaking, in a genuine way today. Um, you know, again, I don't see a lot of that in my world where I'm at, in my Baptist world, but I can't simply dismiss those, especially those in other parts of the world, maybe third world countries and that sort of thing, who have given eyewitness accounts to experiencing a lot of these things, especially the healings. Uh, and I can't dismiss necessarily my charismatic brethren who think that tongue speaking is a legitimate gift. So those are the two main reasons. So uh, all right, go ahead. Yeah, so so you're a continuationist, but you I mean, you wouldn't consider yourself charismatic. Uh, uh, not so, at all. So yeah. what I mean it'd be a whole podcast in itself, but can you can you kind of give a brief reason why you're why you're a continuationist and because uh, charismatics that's kind of how a lot of times we kind of you know we put them in that group because there's you're uh, they they seem charismatic, um, but a lot of it has to do with their spiritual gifts and like they have uh, they have um, like healing Sundays. You know, come to church this Sunday. We're going to have healing Sunday. You know, yeah. Um, so so what is it that I mean? Why are you a continuationist but not a charismatic? Well, I'm a continuationist because I think Scripture teaches the continuation of these spiritual gifts that they have not stopped. I'm not care. I, you know, we, have, we need to understand, the word charismatic has, has sort of been kidnapped by uh, a lot of uh, Pentecostals who, who claim to have these, uh, these sensational gifts. But the word charismatic is something that should be a good word in Scripture. It comes from the word charis, grace. All of us have been graced. All of us have God's grace in our lives. All of us have been gifted by God. And just because others have taken over a few of these more sensational gifts like tongue speaking and healing and maybe prophecy and label themselves charismatic doesn't mean that I should fear the word or run from the word. I am a charismatic Christian in the sense that God's grace has visited me and that's who I am. But I'm, I'm not one who has those, those particular gifts that are often deemed charismatic gifts tongue speaking, healing, and prophecy. 
Um, so I, I'm not there. That's not my, my personal belief system. It's not where I am as a Christian. Um, but I do believe that those gifts exist. Yeah, because like a lot of, I remember uh, when I was in Georgia, I had a friend and he, uh, his, his dad would take him to this uh, Pentecostal church in town and, and every single week somebody mm -hmm. would speak in tongues, you know, every single yeah. week, you know, and yeah. I just, I don't find in scripture that, uh, that the gifts of speaking in tongues or healing or whatever, that that just happens, <laughs> you know, every yeah. single week or, you know, it's at a scheduled yeah. time or anything. It's not like I can, you know, it's not like I'm a superhero and I get to choose when to use this power That's or right. whatever. Uh, yeah. It seems like it happens when the Holy Spirit uh, allows it to happen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, Paul talked about there being different kinds of tongues. And in my assessment, anyway, there could be public tongue speaking and there can be private tongue speaking. Public tongue speaking, Paul regulates in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 indicating that it can be controlled. Uh, there has to be an interpreter present, either that person who's doing it or someone else, uh, only two or three at the most, and each of them in turn. And so he puts some, some, uh, some restrictions there on the public tongue speaking. But elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about if you, if you can't, if you don't have an interpreter there, then do it to yourself and to God. That is... You know, that, I, I take that to be more private. Uh, there's my mama calling again. <laughs> can, you, can you see that on the screen? No. No, we can't see okay. it. Just flashing right. or something. Okay, um, well, don't worry about it then. All right, so, um, uh, Christian, do you want to chime in there? Yeah, I, I mean, I just agree with Dr. Ray. We see it oftentimes that these gifts are taken out of hand, maybe towards the charismatic, towards the Pentecostals, because, like, I mean, growing up, you talked and speaking in tongues, it was just, I'm coming from this Baptist background, and that was just something the weird Pentecostals did, and they would do it, and oftentimes, from what I've heard, like, there wouldn't be an interpreter, and so oftentimes we see it misused, where they do it out in public, and it kind of disrupts the service, and then there's no interpreter present. And I guess, I, am I getting too far forward if I go into the acts and the different forms? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, like, we see it, like, in acts, when Pentecost happens, it seems to be that those tongues that they were speaking of were natural languages. So all the people heard their language coming from somebody else who didn't speak that language. So if I all of a sudden started speaking French and have never learned uh lick of French and somebody was able to hear the gospel through me because I was speaking their language but I've never studied it is there is it just concerned with that gifts or is there another type of tongue maybe in the private room are you asking me Christian <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> Yeah, well, my understanding is that there is Pentecost was foreign languages, and so you had a lot of different people groups there understanding things in their own language. I think I think the text there in Acts two is clear on that. 
But there are also these other more ecstatic utterances types of things, a mysterious type of language um, that I think is the more Corinthian form that Paul's talking about. And that's the more private prayer language that I think Paul also talks about in 1 Corinthians 14. So, um, <clears throat> all right, so... Uh, speaking in tongues is one I'm, I'm I don't know just looking at some of the passages it, it seems like to me um, that it's it's always talking about a foreign language so uh, I just wanted to kind of give some of my maybe uh, something however how I'm reading kind of first uh, Corinthians 13 and 14 and and uh, and then maybe you could just kind of respond and, and tell me why I'm wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like like even in all right, so 13.1, uh, I've heard people use 1 Corinthians 13.1, if I speak human or angelic tongues, do not have love, I am a noisy gang, a gong or uh, a clanging cymbal. So to me, that seems pretty clear there, and I don't know about you, Dr. Ray, but it seems pretty clear there to me that, that he's he's definitely kind of exaggerating the gift, you know, because if, if tongues is just speaking a foreign language here, it could mean he's just he's just exaggerating. He's like, even if I could speak the language of angels, you know, um, and then, and, and I didn't have love for the people that I'm trying to speak to, uh, it would be worthless, you know? Uh, so do you think he's exaggerating there or do you think, you think there's something here to, uh, there actually being a possibility that you could speak an angelic language? Well, no, I think he's, uh, you know, he's exaggerating in order to, for effect in that passage, uh, to show how, how love just sort of trumps, trumps everything, anything we could say. Love yeah. as a gift is the greatest of all. And so I do think he's speaking more metaphorically there. Yeah, because he and he uses the same the same thing for uh you know faith too. If I if I have faith I can move a mountain mm -hmm. but don't have love. Absolutely. And uh you know Hunter's got a lot of faith, but I've never seen him move a mountain, you know. <laughs> uh, if he keeps at the gym, he might be able to. He might be able to. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh so now looking at, at first Corinthians fourteen, uh this is where I kind of get confused still. Uh, like 14 too, for the person who speaks in another tongue uh, is not speak and in in tongue in Greek um, I can't remember the word but it, it also it, the word can glossa. also be translated language which what is it it's glossa glossa yeah it, it could also be translated language right it can yeah uh, so uh, for, the for the person who speaks another tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. So uh, mm -hmm. what I'm imagining here is somebody, you know, maybe somebody standing in a church and they're speaking this foreign language that the Holy Spirit has anointed them to speak. Right. And so if there's nobody there to interpret or understand that foreign language, um, you know, then it would be kind of be worthless. Like, OK, at this point, you're really only speaking to God. Uh -huh, because nobody else is even interpreting your language. God's really the only one in the room right now that can really mm -hmm. understand what you're saying. Um, so am I, am I missing something here or uh, am I just flat wrong and you want to tell me that? Or <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I mean, this is debatable whether it's foreign language or whether it's more of an ecstatic uh, prayer language type of thing. So, I mean, I think you could be interpreted either way there. Okay. <clears throat> I don't think. Nicer. <laughs> yeah. I don't think one way necessarily, um, you know, stands out, except maybe in the context. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and he also says, speaking in tongues is always interesting to me because uh, uh, doesn't he say, I don't think I wrote down the verse, but um, uh, but he actually says, I, I think it's in 14, but he actually says that uh, that speaking in tongues is for the unbelievers and prophesying is for the believers. Uh, yeah, that's down in verse right. um, 22, 22, I think it is. Yep. Yeah, 22. Okay. Yeah, tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Yeah. But how is tongues a sign there? Is it a negative sign or is it a positive sign? Uh, that's debated. Uh, I think what Paul's saying there, to me at least, is that tongues, um, the effects of the tongues, is negative for unbelievers because he goes on in the next verse and talks about how in verse 23, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders and unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're all out of your minds? <laughs> so it's a, and so the effect of tongue speaking for outsiders or unbelievers is negative there. It's a negative sign because it sort of drives them away. Prophecy, on the other hand, is a positive sign for believers, yeah, because we can understand it. But he goes on there. It's interesting in the next few verses, 24 and 25, he talks about prophecy being a positive thing for unbelievers and outsiders because they might come to repentance and faith in Christ. And so, yeah, it's a sign for uh, a sign for unbelievers. Tongues is a negative sign because of, it drives them away. They don't understand it. They think you're crazy or you're mad is Paul's point there. In verse 22. Okay. So uh, why would it be, uh, so to me that would make more sense of ecstatic utterance than of foreign language. Um, well, we're running out of time here. Let me, so <clears throat> let me, let me bring up a few more arguments from a cessationist point okay. of view. And, uh, and just kind of, uh, at least some of the major ones. The, the biggest one is the, the, we call them, uh, uh, the sign and and really, Doctor Ray, like I, my my favorite podcast I listen to right now is run by two guys it's called the Remnant Radio. It's run by two guys who are both uh, strong continuationists and strongly charismatic, and but they're super deep in theology on their podcast. And so I'm like I'm right there on that fence, uh, yeah, <laughs> trying to figure okay. out my side here. But uh, the biggest argument though is uh, you know cessationists will call them the sign gifts, saying that you know the, the these gifts were necessary. Uh, during the time of the apostles, before they had the scriptures, before Christianity was started, because they needed the signs. You know, kind of like Jesus, he he had these signs that accompanied the things that he did, so it kind of uh, confirmed his message, mm -hmm. and it confirmed who he was, and that he was God. He had the authority to forgive uh, forgive sins and 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 all of that. So, uh, what's what's kind of the response to that argument? Um, I think that's still the case. I mean, if you, I think if you go uh, to uh, third world countries or where the gospel's not been a lot, I think the gospel is accompanied there with a lot of, of these sign, uh, these sign gifts, uh, prophecy and, uh, and and tongue speaking and uh, and miracles, uh, just as it was in the day of of our Lord and and the, and the apostles. So I think it still goes on to today. Not in our culture so much. We're sort of used to the gospel. But in other cultures, I think those things are there accompanying uh, the evangelistic efforts. Yeah. I think I've got, what's like, go, ahead. go ahead, Dr. Ray. 
Well, before we run out of time, I just I don't find any scripture supporting the cessationist argument explicitly, at least. And so I wondered what what the scripture verses are that uh, particularly indicate that these particular gifts, these few gifts, have ceased. And the only, I mean, the one that I've that's usually pointed out is First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah, yeah. And the interpretation there. So I don't know if you want to get into that or not before we end. Or uh, we kind of run out of time, but that that verse is basically it says uh, that prophecy, speaking in tongues, these things will cease when the perfect comes. And yeah, what's uh, the perfect? That's the yeah. And and so my dad he used to argue. <laughs> I'm gonna throw him under the bus. But he used to argue that, uh, see this verse right here, it's written in the neuter. The perfect word is the neuter. And so it's not when Jesus comes back. It's when this something that is not masculine or feminine comes back or, or it comes into existence, which he would argue would be uh, the Bible. Um, I, I don't hold to that argument, but uh, I think okay. it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, really, I mean, uh, I mean, just take a little bit of Greek class and you'll know that that masculine, neuter or feminine words yeah. don't really mean much or spanish or i mean really any language <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that has the the genders for words and stuff yeah i think he's talking about the, the new age when the new age comes that's the perfect and of course christ comes to inaugurate the new age and then this age which is you know we'd know in part and all that in this age that's what's coming to an end yeah when the new age begins it's so anyway a lot of the, I, I think a lot of the scriptures I've heard are all really, um, if, if, if we're basing it off of the scriptures, it's really just taking texts like uh, the, the apostles, they went out and did the, and these signs followed them, mm -hmm. you know, and it kind of, it's all implication. It's all, this implies that they needed those signs, but now we don't necessarily need those signs, you know, especially in places like America or whatever. Um, I, I, I have a hard time. I'm actually, uh, I, uh, maybe I can call myself an American cessationist because uh, it, honestly, after doing this podcast, it sounds like we're kind of all on the same page where, uh, you know, we're like, you know, probably you know, not not in places where the gospel is well known, but maybe in these third world countries where, you know, they may need these signs, you know, they may mm -hmm. need healing. It's like one guy said, he said, you know, one of the things we have in America is 911. He said in third world countries, there is no 911. You know, you have to call on God for your healing. Otherwise, there's no possible way you'll be healed. You know, yeah. so yeah. Um, all right, Dr. Wade, we got we've got to close out here. So if you want to, you know, respond to that and just kind of uh, you know, give give some closing thoughts. Where where do we go from here? Um, you know, what do we do with this debate? Uh, and and uh, what do we do with our spiritual gifts? And that just closes out. Well, I simply would say I commend you guys for uh, carrying on a debate in a very cordial way, um, where we can sort of share our views and, and look at the scripture and and talk this out. And again, now we know in part, even on this issue, but one day we will know fully, yeah. uh, you know, what's what's the right to view. Until then, we simply pray and uh, seek and uh, and go on. But uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating issue. I don't think there'll be any resolution to it uh, in our lifetime. But it's fun to fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you want to get some closing thoughts? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm basically along the lines of Jonathan. I'm like, I could call myself a leaky cessationist, maybe. <laughs> Looking at, American I've heard. Cessationist. I'm, I'm coining the term. American cessationist. I like it. 
I remember being at the apologetics conference, I think, and Jonathan was talking about it too. Craig Keener talked about the power of prayer and how he has heard. And I think he had witnessed himself being overseas and then praying for healing as they were laying hands on somebody and their leg was miraculously healed in that fact. And I mean, we don't see that here. And I think we can see that these third world countries need, need the word of God. Mm-hmm. And if they for don't Craig have it, Hayden. that's where the signs come in. Craig Hazen. Yeah. It was Craig. Yeah. Song. <laughs> yeah. But so I think I, I can see these gifts definitely overseas and not as much in America. And I mean, I don't, I don't see it too much within the church, but I'm also like Dr. Ray said, we're in this Baptist circle and you don't really see that happening much, but yeah. And we can use these, like Jonathan was saying, we can use these spiritual gifts within our church. So we encourage y'all to figure out what yours is, find, uh, talk to your pastor, find a reputable test, maybe a reputable source to figure out what exactly yours is Amen. and be able to serve. Yeah. Well said. So, so uh, listen, let me just uh, finish up here, close this out. Thank you, Dr. Ray, for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, we definitely hope to have you on again, talk about some other topics. And My pleasure. Love yeah, to. So uh, let me just close out with this verse. And, and uh, so this is back in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation uh, of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. So listen, uh, figure out what your spiritual gift is. Continue on researching and studying and say, okay, what are the strongest arguments for cessationism, continuationism? You know, where are these gifts still taking place? Look at some of these eyewitness accounts that Dr. Ray was talking about of some of these gifts. And, you know, just we just encourage you to keep doing your studies. Find out what your spiritual gift is and start using your spiritual gift in your church, even if you're you know, in fourth grade, 11th grade, or you're 80 years old, use your spiritual gifts in your local church and uh, you will impact the kingdom of God the way the spirit wants you to. So, Amen. all right. <clears throat> so and thank you everybody for watching. Hope you found this interesting. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, let us know. And, uh, and we'll try our best to answer them and, and uh, talk back with you and all that. So, all right. Thanks everybody for being on here and we will see you all on the next one. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel um, podcast. Please you know, leave a five star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Thank you.